Welcome to the Thrive Vineyard Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Molly Kiefer. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit thrivevineyard.com. All right. So my sister Mary and I, I have a twin sister Mary, many of you know her. We had a usual way of watching TV when we were growing up. We had... um, one long couch in our family room, one long couch and a lazy boy. And that long couch was situated perfectly at a perfect angle in front of the TV. And it was prime real estate. And uh, we both wanted to always spread out and watch TV. So what we would do is we would both take the end, the, the corners of the couch, and we would lean back against the arm with our feet, like, you know, towards the center. And so our legs would like overlap in the center and um, many times, uh, our TV watching experience ended in uh, some sort of fight, usually over probably, you know, what we were going to watch or who was hogging the blanket. But when you got really mad, we had one move. And this one move would be that you would raise up your heel and you would drop it, drive it as hard as you could in the other person's quad. Like just bam, like hammer drop. I'm sure it was an MMA move somewhere, right? And it would, it was excruciating pain. Well, the first person however did that. Well, then that got the other person really, really mad. And it started this cycle of heel drops and massive spots, black and blue bruises the next day. And, uh, you know, people would always ask, do you guys fight? And we, yep, we fought, we fought, we may look nice. We may seem kind and very patient people, but you get, you get one of us mad. We're just like you. We like revenge. We like to make the person who wronged us know they wronged us and that they will pay for it. And how do you do that? Well, you do that with fingernails and your teeth. There was lots of hair pulling. In fact, I remember one day going to soccer practice and this was like, we were too old <laughs> to be doing this. this was like junior high. And one of us literally had a four finger claw Four fingers, like right here, and the other person, a huge, massive chomp bite mark out of their arm if you showed up to practice that way. And people were like, what happens at your house, right? But if you only knew, if you only knew. But you guys, I, I, I long for fairness too. I, I do. I am just like you. And if somebody is not acting right, I want them to know. And I want them to know as quickly as possible that what you did was wrong. And I'm not going to sit by and let you get away with that wrong, right? Like that is not going to happen. We want, when I've been wronged, when my kids have been wronged, I want someone, I want someone to pay for that. It feels, revenge just feels so good. How many times have you guys been driving and someone's a little reckless and they cut you off? And my first, my first, and my first look around is like, okay, where's the cop? Like, come on, like red and blue lights. This person needs a ticket and it better be like the top of the fine category, right? Like pay, pay for what you have done to me. Our world loves the balancing of the scales, don't we? Our culture screams. Like I hear people talking to their kids, like you hit them back right? Like you hit them back. You stand up for yourself. We live on this phrase, don't get mad, get even, right? Don't get mad, get even. And so what I want to do today is just ask, is there a better way? Is there a better way than the, you owe me, you're going to pay for that. 
that you're not getting away with that. You had that coming. I, I hear this too. I might forgive, but I won't forget, right? We want people to pay. And so I want to know, is there a better way for us who long for abundant life? Us on fire, followers of Jesus who have said, okay, God, not, not my ways, your ways. That God, we like lay it, we do this in worship, right? We'll just, we'll offer it all to you until someone gets me mad. And then I take it all back for a few minutes, right? No, is there a better way? So what I want to do is I want to look at a man who lived a better way today. I want to look at someone who um, wasn't caught in the turmoil of what he had coming and what was owed him and what that person that just did needs to get, to get, you know, needs paid payment for what getting what he deserved from others. And as he did this, he saw the extraordinary favor of God on his life over and over. He knew what it was like to be honored by God. He knew what it was like to carry the actual heart of God. And um, we actually today are starting a new series. And this new series is called Escape from the Ordinary Life. Escape from the Ordinary Life. And we're going to take the next couple of weeks and just look through character sketches of characters in the Bible. And we're going to learn from them for a bit on how they escape from the ordinary life. So today we're going to start with one of my favorites. We're going to start with David. And we're going to look at how we're going to discover the better way that he lived from his story. So here's a tiny bit of background before we jump into our main scripture. But um, David is just a young lad, an infant, I think you went all Popeye there. As Kevin would say, um, he, was, he was anointed king. And he was anointed king by um, one of God's prophets, Samuel. And when he's anointed king, it kind of comes out of nowhere because there's a current king still in power, Saul, who was Israel's first king. And um, so David, the prophet comes out of the blue and he tells David, you're going to be king of all Israel. So David knows this is coming. He just doesn't have a time frame. He doesn't know when. He doesn't know how because Saul's the current king. And, uh, and so he's anointed. And, um, and as he's anointed, then the blessing of God, the favor of God, the, the anointing of God comes on David's life. The spirit of God fills him in a unique way. And this is visible. This is like Saul can tell that there, the favor of God is on, has now moved to David. And Saul can see that favor on him and he gets super, super jealous of David. And this is what it says in, in Psalm um, 1828. It says this, when Saul realized that the Lord was with David and that his daughter Michael loved David, Saul became still more afraid of him and he remained his enemy the rest of his days. So at this moment, from here on out, Saul is out to get David. In fact, David is just minding his own business. He's playing some music for Saul and Saul tries to kill him with a spear. David escapes. Saul sends all his men after him to like go get him. And David realizes I have no choice here. Saul is bent on my life. He is going to kill me if I stick around. And so David has to pick up and leave his life and leave his family and leave everything that he has. And he lives now a life on the run from Saul. But again, he has done nothing but honor this king. He's done nothing but serve him and honor him. And Saul is hunting him down. So here we go. We're going to hit 1 Samuel 24. And this is where we're going to spend most of our time looking at the life of David. And uh, this chapter opens up and we read that Saul actually takes 3,000 men 
to go catch David. 3,000 men. Like this man is on a mission. Like this is serious, like serious business, right? And so um, Saul gets to where David is, where David's hiding out. He hears he's in this area. He gets there and um, David and his men, his, his group are, they're hiding out in a cave. Now, I just think, was thinking about this, like all the caves that probably are in this area, David and his men are in one of these caves, just hiding, hiding from Saul. And um, it just so happens that Saul is in this area and he steps into this cave to relieve himself. It's a large porta potty, apparently. And he's in there. And at this moment, Saul is completely vulnerable. He has no bodyguards. He has no weapons. Like he is completely, has no idea that David is actually in this cave at this moment. His enemy is right here under his nose. Well, he's in this cave and um, David's men are like, look at Saul is right here, David. Like God is delivering him to you. He, he has, he's unarmed. There's no one with him. This is like an easy finish. Just take his life. And this whole thing of someone trying to get you for no reason, it's done. Like, just do this. This is it. This is your moment, right? And David, we know David, he, he just has this thing in him. He, I cannot kill God's anointed. I can't do it. And so, uh, and so even though all of his, his guys are like, this is it, like, take him out. David sneaks up. And he t- cuts off the, the corner of Saul's robe. He just takes off just the corner. He's got his sword ready. He could take off his head, but instead he takes off the fringe on his robe. And um, this is what it says in verse 5. It says, afterward, David was conscious stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. He said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master the Lord's anointed, or lift my hand against him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. Like here, this man wants to take your life, yet you're honoring him in this way, and you're still saying, oh, no, no, he's God's anointed. Okay, and so they, they then here's what happens. It says, David went out of the cave and called out to Saul, and he's like, my Lord, the king. When Saul looked behind him, David bowed down, bowed down and, and prostrated himself, I got it right. Um, with his face to the ground, he's like bowing down before him. And then he says, he's like telling Saul, he said this, why do you listen to men when they say David is bent on harming you? This day you have seen with your own eyes how the Lord delivered you into my hands in the cave. Some urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not lift my hand against my master because he is the Lord's anointed. And he's showing him the corner of the robe. He's like, look at this is proof. Like all I got this close to you with my sword in my hand. And this is all that I did. And then he goes on and he says, now understand and recognize I am not guilty of wrongdoing or rebellion. I have not wronged you, but you are hunting me down to take my life. And here's the key. May the Lord judge between you and me. And may the Lord avenge the wrongs you have done to me. But my hand will not touch you. My hand will not touch you. And then he goes on and he says this, he says, may the Lord in verse 15, may the Lord be our judge and decide between us. May he consider my cause and uphold it. May he vindicate me by delivering me from your hand. This is it. David is, is so, so clear in this moment of what is his part and what is God's part. And he puts God in place as the judge. And he says this, may God judge between us because I know this, that God will avenge my wrongs. 
that God will take care of this, that God is the one who stands as judge, that he will decide between us. He will vindicate me if I am, if I am pure in this, this issue, right? And so he's very, very clear. This is God's part. God will pronounce the sentence. He is the one who stands as judge over my life. And this was a way of life for David. This wasn't just, he was having just a really good day here. We look in Psalms and we see Psalms are like David's prayer journal in a lot of ways. And if you look at Psalm 37, I just want to take a second and look at this Psalm because this is going to just absolutely drive this home for us. Um, In Psalm 37, David writes this. He's like, don't fret because of evil men or be envious of those who do wrong. Trust in the Lord and do good. And he says, he goes on to say, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. This is God's part. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn and the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. This is God's part. And it goes on in Psalm 37 and he ends with this one scripture for the Lord loves the just. And that actually reads, the Lord loves justice. God delights in justice. It's actually something that he absolutely loves and he loves to do. He delights in making wrongs right. This is part of his business. This is part of what he loves to do for his people is make things that are wrong right, to take care of those things where justice has not prevailed, that he steps in and does it. And David is so confident to do this, that he is, David knows that God is a God of justice. It's what Isaiah said. It describes God's actual nature. Isaiah wrote this. He says, therefore, um, the Lord waits to be gracious to you. Therefore, it says that he waits to be gracious to you for the Lord is a God of justice and blessed are those who wait for him. Blessed are those who do what David did and withdraw their own hand, withdraw the sword in their own hand so that God's hand of justice can move. So God's hand of justice can come in. Like this is what, what Isaiah is saying. This is part of God. This is the name of God, God of justice, that it is his nature and he can't help but act within his nature. That it's, it's saying that God's hand actually moves in one direction and it's towards justice towards justice. That is the way his hand is going. He can't help it. He can't help but move that way. That's why uh, David was so sure. He's like, justice will come just like the sun will hit in the middle of the sky at noon, right? Just as consistent as day by day, that sun comes right back into the same place. Just as consistent, you can set a clock to it, right? Like, look at where the sky is at noon. Okay, it's noon, right? It's right there. It's blazing fully He's saying just the same. I don't know what what tomorrow will bring. I don't know the circumstances. I don't know the situation, but I know this. God's justice will come through. If I withdraw, if I put his part into his hand, then his hand will move in the direction of justice. This was a principle that David built his life on. He got it so, so, so deep in his heart and he would do nothing but act according to the truth. I believe that justice is coming. Just like tomorrow, there will be a noon sun in the sky. It is coming. And so as David built his life on this, as he let God do his part, as he withdrew his hand so God could bring his hand in, David got, uh, um, he got to know the honor of God. 
And I look at this and I think David didn't even just, he didn't get even, right? He didn't get what man could give. He didn't just get um, something good back. No, no, no. Instead, he got what God could give. And what God gives is always multiplication. It's always more than simple addition. It's always more than logic and reasonable. He didn't have to make things right with Saul. He didn't have to. He didn't do it. And instead, he got what God gave. And look at what happens when God's hand of justice steps in to David's life. Of course, David is made king, but he's not just a a temporary king. He said, God put him in place. And he's like, listen, David, your kingdom, the kingship that I am putting on you, the one you let me bring, it's actually an everlasting throne through Jesus, right? He didn't take that earthly place. He didn't take what he could get or even what was coming to him, what he deserved. And God gave something that was everlasting. This is the way God moves, right? This is what God says about David in 2 Samuel 7. This is what it says. It says this, he's talking to David and he's like, I took you from the pasture, from tending the flock and appointed you ruler over my people, Israel. I've been with you wherever you have gone. And I have cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name great, like the names of the greatest men on earth. That is how God brings justice. That is the way God's hand moves. That is how God repays wrong. I will take your name and I will actually make it one of the greatest names of the men on earth. He didn't take the throne from another man. He waited for what God could give. And that's what we see that's so spectacular. It's so extraordinary. It is so magnificent. This is what happens when we too, like David, open up our lives to the justice of God. When we open up our lives for God to to repay, for God to restore, for God to bring um, restoration and restitution in uh, in what we need in our cases, our just cases. And I love this, that that you can actually look at some more examples of how God restores and how he repays from scripture. It wasn't just with David. Look at this in Isaiah, Isaiah 61. It says this, because you got a double dose of trouble, And more than your share of contempt, your inheritance in the land will be doubled and your joy go on forever. This is what God does. This is how God moves. Here's a case in 2 Kings. And there was this woman who was just um, following God, came and spoke through a prophet and she was obeying and she was following God's word to leave her country and go somewhere. And when she um, was following back, that she came back to her land um, and she realized that it had been taken. She goes to the king and asks for justice. She asked for her land back. Well, look at what happens in 2 Kings 8, 6. It says, the king asked the woman about it and she told him. Then he assigned an official to her case and said to him, Give back everything that belonged to her, including all the income from the land, from her land, from the day she left the country until now. That's how God pays back. Here's your land back. And then all the proceeds from this, the years that you were gone. Here you go. This is how I repay when you follow my ways, when you let me step in and do what only I can do, when you have a heart to obey and just follow along the way that I'm prescribing. Okay, one more example, Job. Again, Job, we know that Job 
um, he was, was just faithful and he just obeyed and he suffered great loss, but in the end, and this is where we need to take heart, you guys, the, in the end, because we can't see our in the end yet, but we can look back and see other people's in the ends and we can take uh, courage from those things and we can take faith from those things. But here's what happened in the end. After Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes and gave him Twice as much, twice as much as he had before. The Lord blessed the later part, the latter part of Job's life more than the former, more than the former. And he could never see, he could never see how God would do that. But this is what God's justice looks like in real life, guys, on this earth. I'm not even talking about like what's to come in eternity, but just uh, in these days in the land of the living. And this is, guys, what I want for my life and for your life. This is what I long for us to know these places, all these pockets of our life where we have been, we've been wronged, where we know that, you know what, God, I I was not guilty in this place. I was maligned in this place. I was mistreated or God, this is an issue that I really want to take into my old hand, my own hands right now. But if I step back, what would your justice look like? What would that type of repayment look like in my life? Where do I need what the enemy has stolen, what he has taken, where do I need to see this kind of restitution from the God of justice? So here's what I want us to do, guys. I want us to be a people who experience what God, God loves, what he delights in doing, which is justice. I want us to partner with the justice of God. So I wanted to spend a few minutes going, how? How are we going to do this? Okay, so the first thing, and this may seem really obvious, but I, I just, I, I'm finding life in it as I've been doing it, is that we need to, first of all, find your claim. Find your claim. I want us to first recognize where, um, where is justice needed in your life? Where is it needed? Where have you been, again, mistreated, maybe falsely blamed like David I think um, for some of us, we have a tendency where we just feel misunderstood. And I think that's kind of the lowest, maybe the lowest, easiest accessible form. You kind of just feel like, man, I just feel misunderstood in this relationship or in this situation. Maybe you've experienced the hard work and, and someone else gets the credit or the promotion. Hello, group work all through high school, right? Like this happens in the job, right? Like where it's like, why am I getting overlooked here? Like I felt, I felt like I was doing what was asked of me. I felt like I was actually showing up with good, with good work. Where do you say to yourself or others that internal dialogue of this is just not fair? <laughs> this situation, this, this that has happened in my past, this that I'm experiencing right now, this is unfair. Maybe areas of loss. And guys, as I was thinking about this again, like just kind of going deeper and like, where is injustice alive and well in my life? I started thinking about Kevin's, um, had a couple of hip surgeries. The second one is hip replacement didn't go well. And it's been an area of massive loss for him and us. And, you know, he's in pain a lot and there are things that we can't do and that our, our family, you know, I just feel like, listen, this is an area, this is an area of justice. Like, I'm not just going to be like, whoop, oh, like natural, like too bad this happens, right? No, I actually started praying along these lines. This is a claim that I am now opening up. This is a current claim in my life. I think for some of us, I, I, I think we're um, maybe beyond, think beyond your years and your family line. And the things that happened down, grandparents or great grandparents, maybe there was divorce and there was loss of parenting, there or um, hardship or something where it's just like, hey, this, this, this happened because of something where the enemy came in 
for he meant something for evil. And my family has actually paid for this over these years. It actually has trickled down to pay. So I want us to think about that. I, I could think about, I remember my mom telling me stories about my great grandma owned a business and her accountant stole a ton of money, right? Like I was like, hey, there we go. Like there is something else in my family line that I can actually come before the God of justice with and have a claim. So I want you to think just for a second, are there some things in your life that maybe you just never saw that before? You just thought that was a loss and that was too bad, you know, or that's not fair or whatever it may be. Are there areas that you haven't thought of before that these are actually claims that you can bring before the God of justice? Okay, that's the first step. Find your claim. The second thing that I really think is really, really important is that we show up in the right battle. That we show up in the right battle because I feel like many of us, we are fighting the wrong battle. And here's what I think we keep doing. Aaron's going to play a tiny clip for us. Yes, yes, it's a small claims court in California where real people with real issues, like my ex-boyfriend used my credit card for the gas bill and he never paid that bill, or uh, the stranger throws the cinder block through the van window, you know, these these small claims. There was one of them where this was cracking me up as I was doing my research. Um, This guy, he ordered a piece of pizza and he ordered a thick slice and it came out to be a thin slice. He was suing for $3. (laughs) I was like, this is good TV. Yes. Below deck has nothing on the people's court, right? Okay. So here's what we do guys. We keep showing up at the people's court. We keep this thing in the natural. We keep it in the flesh. We keep it between people. You know, we just keep showing up over and over again, naturally going to this place, taking our issues to people going, maybe this time, Maybe this time I'll get justice. This, maybe this time they will hear it. Maybe this time they'll understand. Maybe this time they will realize how wrong they have been and they will make it right for me, right? We keep it in the people's court. We want people to make our wrongs right. We are desperate for them to fix it and to see it. And we want them to clear our good name, right? We want them to go, no, 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 that wasn't you. That was me. That was all me if they could just see it, right? We think that that over and over again, you know, I cared for them and they left. I served them and they didn't promote me. I did it right. And now I'm broke or in pain, right? And we look to that person, the boss, the spouse, the neighbor over and over again, make it right for me. Come on this time, make it right. And I think sometimes um, we keep the issue in my people's court, right? Like we just keep it all in here and I just keep, we keep playing it out. Yeah, I do. In our head over and over again, don't we? And we just keep playing out what happened. We play out the injustice and we spend all of our time and our energy this rolling it over in our heads and thinking about it and taking all these different angles and we are stuck in people's court. We get stuck there. And so here's what I want us to start asking ourselves. We have these claims and I want us to find out where have we been taking matters into our own hands. Again, matters of justice into our own hands. And I want us to get into the right courtroom like David to get our hands off the person, off the situation and hand it over to the God of justice who can make it right, who loves justice, who will like the noonday sun, bring it for us. Okay, so that's the second thing is to get into the right 
courtroom. And the third thing is to then file a claim, to file the claim. And guys, this is where we get actively involved. And I believe that we have, we too have a part to play, but it is a very, very simple and a very narrow part. And our part is to get vocal before the God of justice. Over and over again, again, in in David's playbook, if you look at Psalms, he was doing something all the time. He was crying out to God. He was crying out to God day and night. In fact, he was crying out to God. And here's the deal, guys. We have to make our claim. I feel like we have to make our claim in prayer. We have to get vocal before the God of justice so we can find, we can take our claim there. So a few months ago, I don't know how many of you guys were aware of this or participated in it, but there was a class action suit. Was it Facebook, Kev? Okay, um, with Facebook. And I somehow, a letter came to our house, one for Kevin, one for Molly. I didn't see it. I didn't open it. Or maybe I looked at it and I thought it was junk mail. Well, Kevin opens up this letter and he finds out that he is eligible for this class action suit, that he's actually eligible, eligible for the, the, um, there was a claim that he could file. And so he fills out the paperwork. He sends it in. Well, a few weeks ago, we got this check in the mail for $397. And I was like, what? Like, this works? Like, you fill out the paperwork? Did anyone else do this? Yes. What? I missed it too. Like, I know. And I'm like, what? I'm kicking myself. Like, are you kidding? We have one check with just Kevin's name on it. And I know where, I know where this is going. I know already. And I think, my goodness, guys, how many times did we not know, oh, I was eligible for a check and I actually didn't file it. I actually didn't go out and take the effort and bring it before the God of justice who says, hey, you have one part. You just get vocal before me. You bring your claim and then you step back and you withdraw and you watch my hand move in amazing ways right? You watch the check come in and hit the mailbox. That's all we have to do is make this claim. Here's what Jesus says in Luke 18 too. Here's what he says. This is my last scripture. In a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea, grant me justice against my adversary kept coming to him with a plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust says and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night, will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Guys, this is powerful, a powerful story. This is a powerful opportunity, invitation put before us, before the one who knows how all things work. And he is saying this, he's saying, couldn't be any more clear to me. There is a woman and she had one part. She kept coming with a plea. She kept coming with a plea, grant me justice against my adversary and will not God. I love the way he words that will not God who is just, will he not bring about justice? Because that is his part. And our part is to cry out to him, to cry out to him and say, I need justice right here.
Here's the claim. Here's where I need your hand to move. But I feel, I believe this then. God ties this whole thing. I love how Jesus just pops in this last question. Will, will we find, will the son of man, when he comes, will he find faith on the earth? That I believe this is the question that God puts before us. Will anyone be daring enough to engage in faith from the earth to believe for justice from God? Here's the deal, you guys. Faith will be required. If we want to take these things before the courts of heaven, if we want to get them before the justice of God, if we want to see the justice of God on earth, in our families, in our family lines, then we are going to have to engage our faith in this because it takes faith to require, God, I don't know how you're going to work this out, but I will step back. Everything in me wants to step forward and use a sword in my hand and get what I'm owed. But I, in faith, I will step back. And in faith, I believe as I step back that your hand of justice will move in one direction. It will move for me. It will move in a way to, to bring restoration and to bring restitution. And God, it will take faith because I believe that your timing is absolutely perfect. And I don't understand the fullness of time. I think I do, but I really operate in minutes and I'm really, really impatient. So it takes faith to stay in the waiting, to keep bringing this before you and say, no, God, this is not done yet. Will you move in justice right here? Faith is going to be required to stay in that place of in the waiting. I still come before you with this plea because I believe you are a God of justice. And I believe that this is how you want to move on my behalf, just like you've done in the life of David. God ultimately wants to bring you justice. He wants you to get paid back, but you can't do it for yourself. Faith will be required. Faith will be required. So I believe that God is asking Will I find you living by faith in your life, in your circumstances, to bring your pleas before me, the God of justice? Will I find you in faith? Church, I want us to be this type of people. I want us to be this type of people to have eyes of faith, to see the restoration that God wants to bring to our lives. I long for your stories. I long to hear how he does it. I long to see it in the fullness of time, to look back and go, he perfectly, was perfectly true to his word. He's a God of justice. So why don't we stand up? We're just going to spend a minute in prayer here. And I believe that the Holy Spirit has brought some things to mind. And I feel like the, that God is saying, don't minimize it. It may seem small to you. Don't minimize it. If there's certain things that he brought to mind, I think there'll be a spectrum. I think there'll be small things and there'll be really big things. But every claim, I, I believe every claim, we, we got to file them, guys. We got to file them. We got to be the people who just say, I, I don't know, this doesn't make much sense, but I'm going to do it anyways. And so God, here we are as your people. And we hear your word that you love justice. And we hear your word that you will, you will bring it. That when we step back and we commit our ways to the Lord and when we trust in you, that you'll bring justice like the sun shines and blazes at noonday. That how consistent you are to your nature. And so God, we just want to move forward. And we want to bring you these things that have been a loss where the enemy has stolen where there's been pain, where there's been misunderstanding, where 
we've been taken from financially. Some of us are actually in stuck. Things are tied up in legal, actually in the legal system itself. And so, God, we bring these before you today. And we say, grant us justice from the enemy. Grant us justice from the adversary. Those sleepless nights. God, those sleepless nights. We bring it before you, the just judge. Will you not? Will you not move on our behalf? I thank you for the faith of this church. I thank you for the faith of these people. I thank you that they long to do your ways and live live according to your ways and do your will on this earth. I thank you for the faith that you've deposited in them. God, pull it to the surface today. And God, those places where we have just kept it within ourselves and we're turning it over and we want to take care of it ourselves, we want to move our own hand and we withdraw. We withdraw today. Yeah, faith will be found in my life. Faith will be found in my story. That's my part. Bless you. Amen.